Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to uh, our part of uh, yeah of this uh, podcast. Um, I'm Jasmine. I'm from the audiovisual department of Willem de Koning, and I'm here with uh, Fleur. Hi, I'm Fleur. I'm from the fine art department. I live in a small village uh, in South Holland. Before I started my second year at the academy, I studied agriculture, and I work in a greenhouse. And uh, today we're going to talk about the rhizome, as some of you might have guessed from the title. Uh, and um, we're going to talk about the philosophical uh, concept, not the botanical one. But uh, it is. Uh, but maybe we can start with that. Maybe Fleur can explain what that is. Yeah, the botanical term is uh, uh, the rhizo- of the rhizome is uh, a modified subterranean plant that sends out roots horizontally. And shoots from its nudes, like for example, crabgrass. But maybe you can explain the philosophical term. Yeah, so um, the philosophical term was uh, developed by uh, Deleuze and Guattari. Uh, I think it was uh, in 1972 that they wrote their book, uh, A Thousand Plateaus. And um, yeah, the, the theory is basically that. Uh, or the rhizome is basically a theory and research that allows for multiple non-hierarchical entry and exit points in data representation and interpretation. Um, that's maybe a bit difficult to uh, understand immediately. So in simpler words, it's it can be seen as a, as a um, mode of knowledge or a model of culture. And, and what the rhizome is, it resists the organizational structure of the root tree system um, so um, uh, which is like which is like a, a tree which charts uh, uh, linear um, lines and looks looks for the origin of things so the root is the beginning and then it, it has the center and then it has the end um, but the rhizome is the opposite of that it ha- doesn't have a linear uh, structure uh, let's say, for example, with history or culture, culture, it doesn't have a linear narrative with a beginning uh, or an end. Uh, it is, it is, um, it is just like ceaseless uh, connections between semiotic chains and arts and science and uh, power relations and social struggles. It's it's all the connection you can. There are there are connections between all these things, and it isn't. Um, yeah, it doesn't have a linear narrative. Um, it's more so uh, represented in a, a map, with which also doesn't have a beginning or an end. It's just all uh, connected to each other. So that's uh, kind of the theory of a rhizome. I hope you, <laughs> I hope that made it clear for everyone. Um, so that is the concept and theory we'll be using today to kind of look at one aspect, which is uh, culture. Um, and maybe even one specific aspect, maybe. Yeah, we were going to talk about music specifically, and we'll, we'll u- we will do this by using the cre- key principles of the rhizome as described by Deleuze and Guattari. They've discussed a wide range of art music from Beethoven to the avant-garde, but the term has also been used for jazz, industrial music, glitch and remix culture. But let's start with, some, with the connection to jazz and why it can be seen as rhizomatic. Um, it's mostly because of the improvisational nature of jazz. One of the key principles of the rhizome is that of the signifying rupture, which is that the rhizome may be broken, but it will start up again on one or its 
on its old lines or on its new, which is the same for improvisational jazz. Maybe one player will stop, but the others will fill in his void. We have uh, a song prepared? Uh, yeah, um, it is from the movie Jammin' the Blues. It is from 1944, and it's a short film uh, of some very... Uh, yeah, of some important jazz players, and it's just a, a, a jam session of improvi- improvised jazz, and um, it was directed by John Milley. Um, it's I think it's like 10 minutes long, it's on YouTube, so you can check it out, it's called Jammin' the Blues, but let's listen to a short piece of jazz. So that was, oh, sorry, <laughs> that was a short piece. But if you like that kind of jazz, you can check it out on YouTube. Um, but um, with this type of music, a lot of, or let's say a lot of problems occur with uh, music that tries to be rhizomatic with, uh, for example, the sheet music, because it is always written in a linear way. So it's not really freed from that kind of uh, structure. Um, but there have been uh, um, assemblies and orchestras that try to make something that is truly rhizomatic. Um, for example, uh, the the uh, piece "The Talking Board," which was made in 2011 by the Decibel New Music Assembly in Perth, uh, Australia, and uh, what they tried to do was, um, well, they they projected. Uh, um, not the sheet music on uh, on the wall, but uh, circles and shapes and different colors. And every player had a had a had a shape and color they had to look at. And this uh, projection was constantly changing and changing with the audience and what was happening. So it was uh, reacting to everything. And it was also more like like a map, the the music notation, uh, and not so much. Uh, yeah, linear um, sheet music. So it's uh, yeah, it's quite interesting and also sounds uh, a bit strange. I find maybe you can tell me what you thought of it. <laughs> um, it's also on YouTube and um, yeah, it's called the Talking Board. So let's listen to a small piece of that. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, so what what do you think of that? <laughs> well, I think it's very eerie and a bit dark. Yeah, it sounds a bit dark, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like ghost appearing or something. Mm -hmm. Also a bit like crying almost. It's strange. But it's also 10 minutes long, so if you like that kind of stuff, uh, there's more for you. Um, well, uh, yeah, we just talked a bit about how music can be rhizomatic or made in a rhizomatic way um, but we can also talk about the way how we uh, listen to music right now is uh, rhizomatic in a um, in a way because for example uh, the internet um, and how it has developed the last decade um, is in many ways a rhizome uh, for example the the internet doesn't have a beginning or end it's just we really can think of the internet as a giant map of information and and things <laughs> um, and uh, also one of the key principles of um, a rhizome is that of uh, connection and um, for example uh, we can um, we can always extend uh, the map the internet we can always post something and enlarge it and it never ends and also one of the key principles uh, I think you just mentioned was that of uh, signifying ruptures so that the rhizome can be broken but it will start up on a new line and this is also the same with the internet of course you can upload something on YouTube but then it will disappear and uh, appear again on some other sketchy website so something never really disappears um, so yeah the, the internet is in many ways a rhizome and uh, the search engines we use for music as well, Spotify, for example. Um, but yeah, um, I just thought it was interesting to apply it to the way we listen to music. Um, and talking about the internet, I found something, uh, I found a musician or actually an interdisciplinary uh, artist called Ben Glas, um, who also worked with the principle of uh, the rhizome. And he used this philosophy to create uh, an album, um, and I think it's 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 on SoundCloud and on his website. Um, but yeah, he used the philosophy to create a piece, um, and he tried to attempt uh, the listeners and the the active participants to drift in and out of a rhizomatic structure. So uh, he uses like different uh, rhythms and different sounds, and it's for me personally. I don't know if it, it if I drift in a rhizomatic uh, structure, but it do does something to me. Like I do sort of get in a trance. Um, maybe you can. <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard it? No, not yet. Okay, so yeah, maybe you can tell me if it worked for you. It's actually 20 minutes long, but um, we'll listen to a short bit. Okay. See if it works.
Wow. Um, I would say I, you get in a trance, but maybe more if you listen to it like for the 20 minutes it, yeah. it's made for. It's actually a two-part album, so there's 40 minutes if you really like it. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that, but... <laughs> He's also listening, so thanks again, Ben Glas, for sending the piece. Um, yeah, so uh, we've talked about... Uh, how some music is rhizomatic and how the internet and search engines uh, are rhizomatic, but also a phenomenon that I think really um, bloomed again with uh, the last decade and with the internet and and those developments uh, is remix culture. And uh, maybe we can talk a bit how that is rhizomatic. Yeah, I wanted to talk about Vaporwave specifically because, yeah, they say like it has the longest lifespan for an internet sensation, but I don't think it's an interse- inter- sensation anymore because I think it's the wrong wording because it's just like a full genre. There are so many things happening there that an internet sensation doesn't capture it. Um, but I wanted to dive in first what Vaporwave actually is. It has no origin on land. It arose of, out of the depths of the internet. But Vaporwave flourishes mostly in music and is highly eclectic. They use, for example, Vaporwave, uh, no, Vaporwave uses elevator music, samples of 80s songs, mostly jazz and pop, electronic lo-fi hip-hop, and is most of the time produced on a MIDI. So it's a low cost, but it takes a lot of talent. Uh, you could say that this is a genre that's nostalgic for the future by remembering the past. They use clear visuals of palm trees, cityscapes, neon colors, and distortion. Like many genres, Vaporwave was pronounced dead, but they arose again after some years and started flourishing, as a bulb who needs a good cold for a flower to come. But before I start talking about the rhizome and Vaporwave, I first wanted to tune in with a song, which is Private Color by St. Pepsi. think of it i liked it it's uh pretty chill i do uh, for me it's like vaporwave is for me like connected to people making their homework really (laughs) but uh it's chill Hmm. Uh, vaporwave also connects with three principles of the rhizome that is connection heterogeneity and multiplicity because they cut up sample and rearrange tracks which actually connects to the whole remix culture Uh, Heterogeneity and connection is the first principle. Vaporwave makers and enjoyers mostly gather around 4chan, Reddit, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, and also YouTube. 
I couldn't help but notice that it's a tight community, but easy to join. From Vaporwave, many genres evolved like Vaportrap, Mossoft, Soviet Wave and Future Funk. There's also multiplicity, which it connects to. You have quantitative and qualitative multiplicities. Quantitative multiplicities are, for example, metascience, metaphysics and science. Things or events that can be counted. Qualitative multiplicities are, for example, human mood. They differ for each person for each event. So if we take, for example, Private Color by St. Pepsi, which the song we just heard, it has a lot of quantitative multiplicities because the viewer's count goes above 10 million. While the original song they sampled from, which is Pillow Talk by Lust, has 3,000 views, 300,000 views. Um, and then you have the qualitative multiplicities. For example, that more people in the comment section feel nostalgic hearing the song by St. Pepsi, while they never experienced the song back in the day because it has only been online since 2013. And the people in the YouTube comment section feel nostalgic for the 80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the principle of multiplicity is maybe the most difficult one to understand, so... For me, it was also <laughs> a bit difficult, <laughs> but I think you explained it well. Um, I think it's also the the principle of the uh, signifying ruptures again, because um, yeah, uh, with for example with vaporwave, some older clips or genres they they don't die in a sense or end. They they get reused and repurposed, so they they start on new lines again. Um, so yeah, that's also, I think, a principle that suits remix culture very well. Um, yeah, so um, I thought it would maybe... Uh, well, I, I, I think we can also apply this um, uh, philosophy not only to our current time with uh, our current culture, but also with our current time with the pandemic and corona. Because, uh, first of all, uh, a virus is a rhizome. It also uh, uh, maybe disappears somewhere, but ends up uh, somewhere else again. Uh, like we know <laughs> right now, <laughs> it doesn't seem to go anywhere. Um, but um, I think we can also apply this way of thinking to the way we think about corona. Because I, I do hear people say sometimes, like, Oh, when Corona's over and Corona ends, like it, like it is something that just finishes one day. You know that it's <laughs> one day it's gone. Um, but I don't really think that's the case. Also, with um, with the way it will affect us um, in different ways, in in political ways, in um, in economic ways, it will leave its traces. Uh, also, I guess in mental health. Yeah, true. Um, for some people, it will be a trauma that they will take with them for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, it does leave its traces. And it's not only uh, the virus, in a sense. So, yeah, in that way, you can apply the concept to, uh, yeah, current life, I think. Yeah, it's kind of depressing, no? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what I wanted to do, I, I think it's an... Uh, important and useful tool to apply to your life sometimes to just get a different uh, perspective or narrative. So how would you uh, apply it to your life for well, your practice, for example? 
Oh, with my um, yeah, with my with my practice, I think. Well, you actually had a very nice remark. Yeah. Okay. For sure. But uh, I don't want to steal your <laughs> your smart thoughts. <laughs> well, it's kind of comforting in a way because there's no ending to a project or a concept or uh, or work or practice in general. But there's also many paths you could go back to or create new ones or. I think um, we're being teach to stick to something like a vibe or a medium, an ID. But I think that's also holding back. So it's nice that you can go back to old things, but also discover new ones while doing. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. I think we well we work on creative projects and then we get a deadline because yeah we need one. It's necessary, but it's not really the deadline. It can still be developed and uh, maybe brought back like yeah. in 10 years I don't know some people do two years over a painting so yeah true yeah. so it doesn't have to end with the deadline I guess <laughs> uh, okay and maybe we can also talk about uh, how we got uh, to this subject because it's quite an abstract uh, theme to take um, well it, for me it's it's I found it when I was researching interesting artists to maybe talk about. Uh, once I heard I got this elective and got the opportunity to talk on the radio. So I was just looking at interesting uh, albums and artists. And then I found um, this experimental uh, uh, tape, um, which was called Rhizomatic St. Louis. And it was by the uh, musician Nathan N. Cook. And he's a... Uh, electro soundscape kind of um, musician and he decided I think 10 years ago to create these albums uh, annually uh, with different kind of interesting uh, musicians in the St. Louis area and um, I was actually kind of uh, captured by the by the uh, the uh, the way the tapes looked because they're really interesting um, did and you yeah, like the music? Yeah, it's really um, eclectic and some tapes are more uh, electronic and some tapes are really experimental jazz, which I really love. Um, so yeah, they're really, really cool and also they look really nice. So I would like to have one actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, then I saw the term uh, rhizomatic and I was like, what, what is this? Is this some kind of interesting music scene i don't know and then i started to look into it and uh, yeah i found out there's a whole philosophy and also saw deleuze worked on it which is usually a guy i don't understand <laughs> but uh, i did i did get the rhizome theory uh, thankfully so that's how uh, how it got on my uh, path and uh, i was yeah, captured by it and then i i talked about it in our group and you you uh, had the two books, which was really a coincidence. Yeah. So uh, why did you have those books, actually? Well, uh, they said in my feedback that my writing was rhizomatic, and I was like, what is this? And I searched it on Google, and it, they said, like, capitalism and schizophrenia. And I was like, okay, I'm... I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I have to have these books. So, uh, but I find it really hard to read, and then I thought, well, this is a good opportunity to, uh, to actually... Go do it. Mm -hmm. But 
why why was it your feedback what did you make uh, i made a, a website with some embroidery and writing and they combined it in an audio but um they told my writing was like not ending in a uh, you could read it from anywhere mm-hmm. yeah so which is also with the books right yeah 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 for sure you can go pick any essay and read it from there yeah the they the Deleuze and Quatsari wrote the book in a rhizomatic way we could have actually done this in a rhizomatic way but we <laughs> I don't know why we didn't try that I think it's too confusing <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> but um yeah you can start the book from anywhere it, I thought I read somewhere that they did have like they did begin with an intro and finished with an ending but it was more as a joke because it really doesn't matter where you begin in the book <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I like to borrow them, actually. What do you like? To borrow your oh, books. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a coincidence that we both, that this uh, topic both came on our path, I guess. Yeah. 